episode 312. And so you've constantly got to be growing talent in your own organization so that when you do need someone, you don't have to go looking. And if you grow them and you don't need them, somebody in your neighborhood is going to need a tech. And so you put them in business on their own or you put them with a peer or a competitor. But this industry has got to get its act together with respect to growing talent, and they need to join hands in doing so. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, aftermarketers throughout North America and around the world to episode 312 with an episode that is an absolute must-listen. Glad you're here. Carm Capriato here, and I need your help. As I said, this is a must-listen for everyone in the aftermarket, and I'm looking to be sure you and everyone you know who works in the beloved service aftermarket hears this discussion. We talk so much about the solution to the technician shortage. Now here's an episode that will get you to realize that there is so much more than filling the seats in trade schools. It's about what happens when we hire a new tech. The trend is to grow our own technician, but can we outline to our new recruit their career path? You need to be involved in creating a road to great technicians. Stay tuned. Hey, so grateful to Federal Mogul Motor Parts and Garage Gurus for their support of the podcast. Yes, it is Federal Mogul Motor Parts that brings this award-winning aftermarket talk radio to you each week. Search for parts and get the latest technical updates. Also, sign up for their Garage Rewards Loyalty Program at fmmotorparts.com. A quick welcome to new Facebook friends of the podcast, Rhoda Nelson, Terry Salamat, Jackson Brown, Scotty Moore, and Kevin Eckler. And newest LinkedIn connections, Brett Dupree, Aaron Roach, and Tim Jung. Thanks for every social connection you've made to the podcast. And there's a convenient place to find them all, remarkableresults.biz slash social. Recorded at Vision KC 2018, this panel of NASTAF leaders, the National Automotive Service Task Force, came together to have one of the most important discussions of the year. Let me start by saying you need to join NASTAF. It is free, and it is one of the most important organizations you need to be involved with. Go to NASTAF, N-A-S-T-F dot org, and click on the Join Free button. I'll also have the link in the show notes page for this episode, remarkableresults.biz slash E312. Joining me in studio at Vision 2018 is Donnie Seifer, Executive Officer of NASTAF, Chris Chesney. Senior Director, Customer Training at CarQuest Technical Institute, and Jill Saunders, Curriculum Developer at Toyota. This straight-up discussion on creating a career path for all entry-level technicians through an apprentice and mentoring program outlines the why this is so important. Do you want the government someday to create a program of standards and competence, or should we, as an industry, start today to build those standards? We talk mentoring, but mentoring is not for everyone, and it needs to be learned. As I said, not everyone can be the perfect mentor. And how about building a career path for every entry-level tech? Is there a program, a plan that outlines the continual learning that every technician needs to progress through in order to take on the biggest diagnostic challenges of the future? You know, just putting an entry-level tech in the Lou Bay without a career path is part of the big challenges we have in an industry that becomes a brain drain of talent that are not fully engaged in a strong career path. This discussion is worthy of your undivided attention. Once you've listened and agree with me that this needs to be heard by everyone at all levels of the industry, do your part. 
forward the link to a friend or colleague. The more we know and understand what needs to happen to create a road to great technicians, the easier it will be to make this a reality. We need your help. Please sign up for free to become a member of NASDAF. NASDAF, N-A-S-T-F dot org. Now here's Donnie Seifer, Chris Chesney, and Jill Saunders. We are here to talk about and maybe resolve for the first time ever the problem with career paths of technicians and your great program, Road to Great Technicians, that um, you guys are working so passionately about. Now, you've had a NASDAQ meeting here, or are you about ready to have it? About ready to have it. Yeah, you're about ready to have it. So tell us, what are you talking about here regarding the future technician program? It's been a couple of years we've been working on this project, and it and it's kind of languored. The The board itself has been involved with it, and we've had a lot of folks talking about it. And we actually created some strife in the industry because people didn't understand what we were trying to do with this program. And so a, a few months ago when we had our meeting at Apex, I told the board and we had uh, Jill and Rob come in and talk to them about it. If you look around this room and look at all the horsepower that's here, if you guys all together said it's time to fix this technician problem and this education issue, we could get it done. And so that's where really Road to Great Technicians is headed. I think we can help uh, – sorry, help. We can thank Chris and Mark Saxenberg. I think that was, this was Mark's name, right? Yep. And uh, so you know he really f- pushed this thing into the forefront, and, uh, and Chris has been an evangelist. Uh, all over the country for this. So um, we're really excited where we're going with it. Awareness. You said the word awareness. We are aware, but there's that knowing-doing gap. And is that what you guys are trying to, to narrow? Yeah, Carm, I'd tell you that over the last two years since that first uh, spring meeting for NASTEF two years ago here at Vision, uh, when I think we had eight or nine uh, industry leaders from all walks of industry, OEMs, aftermarket, trainers, shop owners, stand up and kind of give their take on the state of the of education in our industry uh and the challenge was laid down to uh, i can clearly remember my thought process standing on the stage challenging everybody take off your name badge take off your brand leave your agenda at the door come to the table and let's solve this and that's happening and it's not because of that it's just the timing's right Technology is here that's really driving that. Uh, the technician shortage and the, the lack of talent that we have or skilled talent that we have in the bays uh, is driving that. Uh, the lack of, of being able to put people in the, in the service bays at the OEN, the aftermarket level, is, is really driving all this. So couple that with the Tech Force Foundation's efforts, uh, I think just it's a perfect storm and it's uh, given us an opportunity or a window to to put a stake in the ground and stop talking about it, which we've talked ourselves silly over the last two years, and start doing something. And that's what's so cool about this, the education team that Jill and Rob Morell, who can't be here today, so hi Rob, um, uh, have done a great job of of putting this together and getting us to sit down at the table and start talking about solutions. Jill, give us some insights on that education committee, the team. What are you guys working on? So we're working on some uh, pretty neat stuff. Like Chris and Donnie said, we've been talking about this until we're just blue in the face, and just talking about it isn't going to solve anything. So actually, a couple weeks ago, we brought some key stakeholders from the industry together to sit down and talk about an action plan for this 
problem, the situation that we're all facing aftermarket and OE alike. Like who? Chris was there from CarQuest. Bill Haas was there from the NACAT. Scott Brown. Scott Brown with IETN. Uh, Mark Warren. Mm -hmm. Got it. Rob Morrell. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine this group all in one room, right? I, I can see that. And was there anyone there from the OE side besides you? Currently, there's just me there on the OE side, and I'm hoping to get some more OE uh, involvement. At our next meeting in Atlanta, uh, I'm going to go to the ATMC OE roundtable meeting and try and get some more industry OE industry support for this. I love where this is going, and you guys basically, you just said, put a stake in the ground or a line in the sand. But you guys are going to cross that and never look back. This is it. Can we look back and say, we, we, in, in 2018, we started, we did it? It's a true milestone uh, for the industry, in my opinion. The work we did in Phoenix, I was uh, quite amazed at what we came out with. Uh, we came out with the framework of a vision statement that will continue to wordsmith a little bit, I, I imagine, this afternoon. and. Uh, and hopefully communicate that very shortly. Donnie's working on a uh, communication piece to to establish uh, or to communicate what we've already accomplished. But the work that we were able to to uh, do and the, the kind of the framework of a career path for a technician that we've laid down and some of the things that we've yet to flesh out are really exciting. Uh, and I can't wait for the industry to get their eyes on this because it can significantly change what we do uh, in the way we grow technicians and the way we uh, communicate the opportunities to young people to draw them into our industry. Chris, Donnie, Jill, it's so exciting to hear the word career path. I don't know if the typical service professional shop owner has can sit down and basically go to a new recruit or even someone who's switching jobs wanting to go into a new place saying i've got this incredible career path outlined for you not only in my own shop but the industry's opportunities are so huge today how do you articulate that guys give me an idea i guess i want to get into the weeds a little bit what's your vision on how this story gets repeated or told well so let's start with we went to this meeting. Chris, Scott Brown, and I were part of the Tech Force meeting. I mean, 50 people, and they were some high-powered folks in Same this room, week. right? Same week. In fact, we did it on purpose. We, we had our meeting right after them because we wanted to see what they had in mind. And we felt like they had really defined what they could do and how they could drive vocational school and getting kids involved and all that right up to when they leave school. And that was sort of the line they drew, which I think we were all pretty happy with. So that's kind of an industry awareness campaign that Tech Force is running. Yeah, as well as helping to develop programs in uh, in they're starting with Phoenix because that's where they live, and, and it's a great way to have a pilot program. But to help develop programs that encourage kids into schools and help the schools and help the repair shops and everybody who needs to be part of that to influence what they call PIPs. See if I can get this right. It's uh, parents and influencers or oh heck peripheral peripheral. Yeah. Parents and influencers of peripheral students. When we were there, they're making this whole presentation, and what we got really strong was that they thought we had a plan for them once they got out of school. And 
you know, and I, I kind of raised Whoops. my hand at our table and said, uh, yeah, you might as well go to Vegas with that money. <laughs> and so what we came back to this group with, and, and Jill's our fearless leader, and you have no idea what a challenge that is, but we came back to this group and said, look, they're expecting us to tell them what a career path looks like and then engage all the players along that road and get them to play. So, I mean, we're talking about literally everything from when they get out of school and they come into your shop, how do you mentor them in and apprentice them in? And Toyota, Jill brought a, a program to the table that Toyota has, and then we blended in the ASE thing because it's already there. Why would you reinvent the wheel when there's such an amazing program that just needs to be tweaked to fit into the whole career thing? The components are there, I think what you're saying. Right. It's, it's almost as if we have a, a jigsaw puzzle that uh, as you mentioned, uh, the pieces are upside down. It's all uh, spread across the table, but uh, we have a team of people that can put that together. But we need a way to communicate it to the industry. And TechForce has done a tremendous job of, number one, coming to the table with uh, a, a set of skills and people that can help us do that, as well as stay in their lane with respect to uh, growing awareness of our industry to the PIPs, the parents and influencers of peripheral students. I think that's hyper important, and it's an example of them finding their their place in the solution of this issue, and NASTEF finding their spot uh, with respect to creating this framework of education so that the training companies and the OEs can hang the, the curriculum that they have on that framework and continue to put that puzzle together as we grow those technicians. And mentoring is a huge part of that. I'm talking with Mike Zralik, a technical product specialist with Federal Mogul Motor Parts. Mike, are you an extension of the technical support center we all know as Garage Guru? Most definitely. You know, I spend a lot of time there. Um, I'm involved in all the classes that go on there. I actually host classes there, such as our ASC test prep courses. Um, so very much so an extension of that. Mike, you're in the shop. So what's the greatest outcome that you see from the techs and service advisors that you're spending time with? Not only are they learning about great product, but we get to talk shop. So like, you know, I was in a shop earlier today and we were talking about some electrical diagnosis he was doing and he was actually having a problem finding some schematics. And we were able to work with that and talk back and forth. So I was able to get educated on a problem he's having in the field, you know, where I can share that with others and, and I can share other ideas from other people with him. Do you actually put product in the hands of the technician's you have to. That's, you know, in, in this industry, a lot of guys are like myself. You got to touch it, feel it, play with it. You know, just telling them about features and benefits isn't going to sell it. You put it in their hands, that's going to sell it hands down. So you take the new Wagner OEX brake pad and you put it in someone's hands. What, what happens? First thing they do is say, wow. Uh, you know, and they, then they start asking questions about the unique design of it, the unique shape, and, and the purpose of that. You know, and they're very blown away by the technology that we put into it. They're amazed by it, and they're they're loving it. Eyes light up, aha moments. You bet, you bet. And why is it taking so long to get this out in the market? And I need them, and I want it right now. Exactly. Federal Mogul Motor Parks' Garage Gurus is your go-to source for the vehicle training, technology, and answers you need to keep your next job on track. 
On site, online, or on demand, the gurus are here to help keep your business and your career on the road to success. Visit fmgarageguru.com. You guys are actually thinking that this starts at the way entry level, or are we talking about every legacy technician in our industry starts and gets it and goes with it? Well, I think what we're going to be up against initially is we're going to have to start with this mentorship program because we have to address the immediate crisis, right? The in-service technicians right now, while we don't necessarily think they're getting what they need and there are holes in all of our education. I'm a technician. He's a technician. You know, and we, we identify something and have to go just in time, learn it, right? That has to end. But we need to start with apprenticeship and we need to say, once you get out of school, you've got a mentor that's going to help you. And that mentor does not necessarily have to be a master technician. In fact, it's much better if that were the next level above you technician. Because the other thing we've got a shortage coming up is instructors. And so what if they start learning at 19, 20 years old that I like teaching? So then we, we're developing the next instructors and we're developing the technicians simultaneously. Is that part of a career path program that you see? Absolutely. I, I absolutely see it. I, uh, having been an instructor for and a trainer for the last 25 years of my life, uh, I look out at my team when I have them in for Summit, and I see me. And that's, look at my picture, that's not a pretty sight. So that just means I've got to find another 50 guys to take their place. And Donnie has it right. The, the key to this whole thing is mentorship. And training or teaching students when they first enter this industry and, and start to learn about systems and technologies, how to become a mentor. Mentorship is a core skill. And it needs to be, it needs to be learned and it needs to be uh, tested and, uh, and fostered uh, year after year. Uh, and I look back at mentorship in my own career. Uh, I started mentoring uh, in the mid-70s uh, at a Datsun dealership, yeah, a Datsun dealership in, in Littleton, Colorado. And I look back on that, and I was 24 years old when I was a mentor the first time. And so many shop owners think that a mentor should be the master tech, the old guy in the shop. And Donnie's right. It's got to be the next step up. And you just constantly, as part of your learning process, it's not mentoring the apprentice for the apprentice's sake. It's mentoring the apprentice for your own sake to grow your skills and to better understand what you're, you're trying to uh, accomplish in the Bay. I love what you just said, Chris. And I, and I wrote down NATEF and I wrote down LISTEN. And I wrote down mentee, mentor, and, you know, they don't teach how, yet how to listen in school. They don't teach you how to mentee and mentor. And it's almost like NATEF needs to add that. If that's going to become a career component in this program, somebody, somebody needs to teach the value of mentor-mentee. So that's why Kyle is coming on board with this group. Uh, SP2.org uh, is uh, a group that was founded many years ago. I've, I've been a friend of Kyle's and his dad's, uh, Laurel, for many, many years. And their program just uh, signed an agreement with ASE uh, to foster and, and to promote the, the value of mentoring training. And he has an online training piece that supports the manager of an apprentice program, the, the mentor, the mentee, or the apprentice, and then gives them the resources to implement that. And so that's a start. 
that kind of takes care of where we're at today. But the curriculum developers and us as, as kind of the engineers of the framework of this education path need to place that, that constant cycle of learning, demonstrating, teaching, learning, demonstrating, and teaching all the way through your career so that you're constantly able to, to pass that practical test that Scott has driven us down. The opportunity is you know, shop owners are going to say, oh, this is going to be too expensive. It's going to take a technician off of the line. This is going to necessitate a little bit of a change in the way that you work in the shop. Um, my shop is, if I'm going to talk this, we're going to walk it. So we're starting over. We're redeveloping how we develop people inside the business. There's nobody to buy anymore. You can't go out and buy a master technician because that's what we do, right? We just go out. We think we can buy them. Well, no, you got to build your own now. So that we are going to do our development just this way. And it's not that it's going to be expensive because if they come out of a VOTEC program, we've at, at NATEF, which by the way is now ASE Education Foundation because we merged AES and NATEF, but at, at the foundation, we're, we've narrowed their scope and made it deeper. So they should be able to come out of school with good working knowledge of electrical and all the maintenance services that are necessary on a car so that you could put them to work. So you can pay them more so they don't run off to some other industry. But if you don't mentor them quick, fast, and accurately, they won't get better. And if you hand them a broom, they're not going to stay. So all of these things are, are working against us. And, and I want to take you back because you talked about career path. You should have Jill tell you about hers because it's a really great example of this right through this path, but taking a different off-road. I think many young people that are thinking about the automotive industry or becoming a technician, they don't know what's out there besides just becoming a technician. My dad was a high school automotive teacher for 32 years, and he's retired now and now mentoring new instructors. Uh -oh, it's in your genes. It's in my genes. So... I decided that I wanted to go to school and I wanted to learn about how to work on cars and I wanted to know how they operated, but I didn't necessarily want to be a technician. I didn't want to do that day in and day out, but I wanted that knowledge of how to do that. So I actually went through the T10 program, the, the Toyota Technician Training Program, uh, for two years and then went on to get my bachelor's degree and uh, it was my goal to work for Toyota, but I had no idea like what I wanted to do for Toyota because I had no idea what opportunities were out there. I graduated from college and I started uh, working for a corporate Toyota in California, now in Texas. I've done quite a bit of different jobs at Toyota, uh, I was on their task line. I was responsible for making sure service information was available to our dealers in the aftermarket. I was responsible for our scan tool for a while, and now I'm in the technical training group. And I've got a much bigger picture of all the job opportunities that are out there. Even you can start out as a technician, and maybe you work that for a couple years, and you decide this isn't for you. You can take that knowledge and go work in a, a different capacity, but you still need that knowledge to get jobs done. You were lucky enough to be in a big corporation that had career path, if you will, or upward mobility opportunities. I'm working. I'm not happy. I'm in an independent shop. What would you suggest uh, I do to stay in the industry and 
continue to give? Well, from my perspective, I think the biggest downfall uh, with respect to the aftermarket is shop owners not establishing what their expectations are of their their new teammates uh, and uh, describing for them the opportunities that are available in that business or that company. Many times, in fact, probably the vast majority of the time, it's there's where you unload your toolbox, those are your bays, that's where you get a ticket, good luck. No orientation. No orientation. We use these tools, you'll figure it out. That lack of onboarding or setting expectations or standards of performance for the for your people, as well as setting expectations for their growth, is hypercritical. And a lot of shop owners will come back and say, and I, I recall a conversation we had at, at Cars in Vegas, Donnie. Uh, uh, the discussion came to this point, and we were talking about shop owners growing their own uh, people. And somebody said, well, what if I don't need somebody? Well, it's, it's a lot like um, hunters going deer hunting uh, in this part of the country. You don't just pick up your rifle and it's, it's deer season and you go out into a field and you go hunting. You have a plot and you sow uh, seed to, to raise grains and, and feed uh, food sources for those deer and you prepare yourself to go hunting. And so you've constantly got to be growing talent in your own organization so that when you do need someone, you don't have to go looking. And if you grow them and you don't need them, somebody in your neighborhood is going to need a tech. And so you put them in business on their own or you put them with a peer or a competitor. But this industry has got to get its act together with respect to growing talent, and they need to join hands in doing so. Accountability then. Accountability. Let's go back. Let's talk about that. I saw Scott do a presentation on the FAA. I was impressed. I guess the person in the cockpit has some pretty uh, high scrutiny that he needs to go through or she needs to go through to be sure that they know how to fly, they understand the machine they're working on, and they have all those people sitting, 140 whatever, 200, 300 people behind them to get them from one place to the next as safely as possible. Safely, vehicles from one place to the other with all the high tech we have today. Isn't it time that we start rethinking all of that? Well, look at the technicians in, that work on those airplanes. And, and you've probably had a mechanical problem happen. Uh, I mean, I, maybe I just yes. fly too much. And I, yeah, me too, Donnie. When I used to travel all the time, I sat down, said a prayer, and I said, I don't care when I get home, but fix it. But those guys would walk in with their big old box scan tool, and they would fix that plane in minutes. Or they would say... It's a no-go. Got to take it back to the shop. That level of confidence is what we need in our technicians and what people that own vehicles should be able to expect. See, they expect it right now, but it's Vegas for them too, right? They might as well roll the dice. And I think we need to bring that level of accountability across the whole thing. Standards then. Yes. Jill, what are you working on in the education side of NASDAQ? Uh, We had a meeting about a month ago in Phoenix that – followed the tech force meeting that was there um, with some key stakeholders that we think can uh, bring all of this together and get this program up and going. We built a framework of what we think a maintenance technician should know and what a repair technician and diagnostic technician and master technician. I think we have to start with a set of standards of what we expect at each of those levels so that somebody coming in can see 
what the next steps are to achieve the next level, so to speak. With that, we're trying to put together a practical exam. We have ASD tests now that you can demonstrate pencil and paper tests that you know what you're doing. But currently there's nothing that has you demonstrate that you know what you're doing. I think there's a big difference between like a, a head knowledge versus like a hands-on application. ASC is voluntary. I, I just want to, I want to do this. How do you see that fitting into this whole career path accountability piece if the even the owners say to their, well, I don't care if you're ASC. Sometimes it matters. Some owners really care. They want it. It's important. We are too independent, if you will, in our thinking that none of this stuff matters. How do you, how do you shake that tree? We've gotten away from that being compulsory for employment. And it's voluntary because back in 1973, we didn't want government making those decisions for us. And that's ASE's charter. So they have to stick with that unless the entire industry says, look, we got to do it different. They, they, they have no choice. It's how they're built. But that's what you're trying to say right now. We've got to do it different. Yes. And I think that what that means is ASE needs to be, if you're going to be a professional in this industry, you can't take your practical exam until you've demonstrated that you've got the head full of information too. Someday will the consumer look for these levels of certifications? No, I don't think so. Um, does the consumer look for how good the pilot is on their airplane, how good the technician is on their airplane. It's not their job. I, I think it's our job to set our levels so that what they get is consistent from place to place. Uh, Mark Saxenberg said in, in our meeting, and I, and I think it was so key, regardless of where you work, you should be at the same skill set. You should know the same things. If you say you can do breaks and you've passed that test, and you work on a brake system, whether you work in a dealership or you work in an independent shop or you work in a tire store, you should have that same level of competence. And that's what we have to work towards. Quite frankly, think the consumer expects that today. But because they don't get it, they don't receive it every time, we have a bad reputation as an industry. So what I see coming uh, in the next year or two, or it's already happening now. I mean, it happened last week is tremendous consolidation in this industry. Uh, and as those large groups start to buy up the smaller shops, uh, those, those groups require process and they require career paths and they require uh, a validation of, of skill. So we talked about ASE kind of being that measuring stick that we have with respect to your knowledge base. Uh, Scott brought to us the, the FAA process, which is a practicum that really it comes in two parts. It's a, uh, a verbal or an oral uh, exam and a practical exam where you perform three or four different skills in an area to prove you can accomplish those skills to a standard. I think, quite frankly, the oral exam will solve 90% of what we see today as a problem. Because most technicians say they know voltage drop, but could never explain it. Never explain it. They could never explain it in a classroom so that a student or somebody else can understand it. And so I think that one step by itself really raises the level of everyone, and that raises the level of what our shop owners can produce 
in the way of confidence in their work and value to the customer and allows them to raise their prices and pay a technician accordingly. Think of the career path. Career path versus grow your own. They're equal today. That one, one means the same as the other. I love the words career path versus grow your own. But we've got to get people to understand what that means. Uh, kind of like you, Jill, career path was an opportunity. You, know, you took automotive tech and now you're doing curriculum development. Exciting. Happy for you. Great to have you. But we'll – and I go, I go back to the word independent. And I don't want to be a naysayer because I'm not because I so believe in the, this beloved aftermarket of ours and the, the challenges that we have. How do we get the independent shop owners to rally behind this and, and to make this constitution in their business? It's an extinction event. Wow. That's how you'll do wow. it. Wow. If you don't have anybody to buy – there's no way you can continue to offer a service. And, and as, you, as you probably have noticed, a lot of shop owners now are not former wrenches, which I think is a good thing. That career path in, its, in and of itself is, is completely a different thing. You have to change your discipline. And I can never be a shop owner, shop owner, because I just can't stop playing with cars. And so that's why I've got a manager who that's what he does. And he's very knowledgeable about cars, but he couldn't change his own oil. So that's I think that's the thing. Shop owners now are business people and they need to understand that this is a business decision to make, that you're developing your own talent. And here's the rules. So you see the future of more business people leading. They're going to say this career path, these accreditations are exactly what our industry needs and the adoption rate that you see in the future is going to go way up in making this a reality and a need. For those business-type owners, it makes sense because they don't understand the car to that level. So therefore, they don't know how to measure somebody when they're interviewing them. So this gives them an opportunity to say, so what have you passed? You know, Toyota's got a whole program where somebody can come in from an independent or a dealer, and they've got a period of time, and I'm going to let Jill tell you about it, where they have to prove themselves as to, do you really know what you say you know? At Toyota, we have several different entry points for technicians. You can go through the T10 program and graduate as a repair level technician, a few classes away from being a diagnostic technician. You can come in from a different manufacturer's program and we'll give you credit uh, from a case. If you come from a case certified program, we'll give you equivalent credit to be that level of technician that you were before. Um, We're working on an accreditation program that's based on your years of experience in ASE uh, that you can come in at a certain level. So I I think if we can get a standard set of base requirements together that it's going to benefit everyone, the aftermarket, the OEs um, together, because then we know that our technicians are all learning the same thing. We have the same expectations across the board, so to speak. And at the same time, I, I want to bring up that Rob Morell had has a great idea and it's kind of the end game as if we can accomplish all these things and establish this framework and and this career path and these uh, requirements of of entry uh, at various levels in the industry is at the end of that we can consolidate everybody's training records and experience records into 
a single database or a database that's all related and, and able to pull from various points that you've uh, gained that knowledge through your career. And so if Toyota's hiring Donnie as a tech, they can look at his transcript and say, excellent, he's got all the skills that we need to place him at this level. And vice versa, if an aftermarket tech or aftermarket shop owner is looking at at Jill and says, great, she's got all those core skills I need for this master technician level. And we don't have to guess. We don't have to hold a mirror up to their face and let it fog over and, and look at their big red toolbox and say, well, at least he's in debt, he'll work hard. At the end of the day, we're actually hiring for talent and skill rather than, than pressure. I love it. Uh, you know, that, that was almost a hook that I was looking for, Chris, that you can literally go online and see. You, you, it's kind of like the doctor stuff today where you can go online, you can see your blood work and everything, and that you've got a history out there. And to have a history of what the technician has uh, qualified for, his ASEs, the jobs that he's had, maybe even a ranking from a former owner. I mean, there's a, there's a million things that can go out there if we as an industry – take this is so serious more serious than we ever have and it goes back to my friend bob greenwood who says we're in a damn profession not a trade anymore and you know that 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 almost needs to be one of those hooks that we you know like you guys are developing how do we go forward making this something that everybody buys into and says yes 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 so here it is everybody's saying yes 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 we love what you're doing five-year ten-year plan from my perspective, it's it's more like a five-year uh, window of time that we have to to uh, engage this and, and launch it and see traction with it. My mission from a personal level is to hold to, – to make shop owners aware of what's needed, and that's just to call them out. Uh, you'll hear me call them out several times this weekend. Uh, I'm going to use the, the chicken and the pig analogy at breakfast. Uh, many of you are involved, but are you committed? The pig's committed to breakfast. The chicken's just involved. And, and while that may sound funny, that's what it takes to get this done. And so shop owners need to be aware that the consolidation movement is real. Uh, large organizations are popping up in front of us as we speak. Uh, there was a large consolidation or acquisition last week that was announced. Uh, that grew uh, two 400 shop location groups and an 800 shop location group with the vision of becoming double that in the next several years. And so acquisitions are in front of us. And shop owners that are independent right now need to recognize that that movement is in front of them. And so what are those big groups doing? They want career paths, and they want a structured education uh, path for their, their people because they have to be able to deliver the same service in Denver as they do in Dallas as they do in Kansas City. Yeah, big corporations have, and, and you well know, I mean, you're, you're assessing your people all the time. You know, are they in the right box? Uh, and they have, there is no place on the technician side, if you will, that competence side that you could go to. I mean, you can't go to a box and figure that out. You know, that that's exciting that bigger corporations could drive this, and then we've got to get the wagon hitched for the independents. So I learned a ton. So let's let me ask each of you what's needed. You have a chance to talk to the listener of the podcast, technicians, shop owners, majority of the audience. The industry listens, but 
the message that you want to get out. You need you need help. You want to motivate them over the over the line. What do we need to say, Jill? Let me start with you. I think the biggest thing is that we all need to agree. Like once we come out with this this framework, we need to agree that this is something that we need to work towards, and that uh, if we don't want, as Donnie said, the government to come in and start telling us what to do, we can do something now to show here's our plan here's what we're doing we can monitor ourselves and we have something to show how we're going to do that I, I love what you just said and i'm sorry guys but i always interrupt myself when a bubble chases across my forehead and so my next thought was so where's the money come from to do all this and you don't have to answer that yet maybe but you know to me you, you, you don't do this in a vacuum and it just doesn't happen there needs to be some sponsorship some money behind this to pull it off frankly there's so much waste right now that it's just a matter of reapportioning stuff reorganizing i mean if you took just in-service training cti autotech Worldpack, you took those three and they've all got good programs but if those programs took all of the training that they developed over the years i mean some of it's just lingering it just sits there in a box if they were to be able to reassign those to these various levels they've got an income stream off of those things that weren't making them any money before and guys like me can find stuff for my young techs right now so they can learn when i want them to got it makes makes all kinds of sense reapportionment chris i'll go to you next well, I think the thing I'd leave everybody with is for for technicians, where, which is where my heart is and always has been, uh, is know that there's opportunity in this industry. Uh, whether your shop owner or your boss or uh, your supervisor has shared that with you, that there are thousands of different opportunities in this industry. Uh, and all you have to do is, is ask or reach out, and we'll share some of those with you. Uh, so... Go looking for those opportunities. Don't quit this job. If you just graduated from vocational school and you're changing oil at a, at a shop and you've been there for a year and nobody's given you hope, open your eyes. There's other places to go look that can provide you with that hope. And then for shop owners, uh, be aware. You need to look up. You need to get outside your four walls. You need to go join an association. You need to get uh, in front of your peers. Uh, they're not your competition. They might be your competitors, but they're not your competition. This industry is unique in that it helps itself. It's the only industry that I know that shares as much as, as it does. And so get out and go uh, fellowship and, and network with fellow shop owners at, at programs or events like Vision. My gosh, there'll be 1,500 hungry technicians at breakfast on Saturday morning. So the bottom line is, Listen to people in this industry and and try to to better yourself by uh, joining groups and outside influencers. Donnie, a quick close. Well, I think the main thing to to look at from the whole business side is we need this, and you know you need it. Even if you've got a, an established staff, you know you've got somebody there who's not going to be there in the next few years. And if you don't start working on this now, if you do, if you try to do this just in time, it's not going to work. You're going to need to have some experience, start developing some mentors, and be prepared. And, and frankly, why not develop a tech? As Chris said, even if it goes to somebody else, we need to start developing people with the idea that they're going to leave us. Because if they don't, we aren't doing a good job developing them. Amen. Thank you. 
Jill Saunders, Donnie Seifer, Chris Chesney. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Donnie Seifer, NASDAQ Executive Officer, Chris Chesney, Senior Director, Customer Training at CarQuest Institute, and Jill Saunders, Curriculum Developer at Toyota. Well done. Thank you. Thanks for your passion. Don't forget, join NASDAQ. National Automotive Service Task Force. And don't forget to tell a friend about this interview. Listen again or even visit the show notes page at remarkableresults.biz slash E312 to see the cliff notes. Yes, the talking points already done for you. Now, most important, get involved. Understand the changes that are afoot. Embrace them and become involved. Please don't sit on the sidelines. Your help will be needed. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.